Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Mining community, welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep the Mining Podcast. And today's guest is Jan Kwok, who's the Managing Director of Australia and Asia at Hatch, who are a global multidisciplinary leader in engineering, operational and development uh, company with projects in metals, energy and infrastructure across the globe. Uh, With more than three decades of experience at Hatch, Jan has cultivated uh, a hands-on approach to business uh, playing a pivotal role in its growth to its current state and is a strong advocate of inclusive uh, cultures in engineering and the workplace. Um, he believes that all of all who show passion and dedication to their vocation should have a ch- uh, chance to grow and thrive. Um, we're going to talk about, a grow, uh, about growing gender diversity in STEM industries uh, as well as emerging uh, industry trends. So that's welcome, Jan, to the podcast. How are you doing, Jan? Hello, Rob. Good uh, morning for you. Good to meet. Good to meet you. Good to talk to you. Yeah, and yourself. I um, really appreciate your time in uh, obviously taking the time to do a podcast with us. Um, and as we always start these uh, podcasts off, and I know you've uh, been listening to a few of uh, our episodes. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background, about your career? Obviously, you've had a long uh, career with Hatch, so I just wondered if you can uh, let the audience know. Um, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, for sure. The uh, you know you can ask yourself. So why am I sitting with you today? It's because I'm passionate about the mining industry. The um, my, myself I married my wife Anna, and I live here in Brisbane. A very proud father of uh, two daughters. Um, I actually, I got I got sent from by my work to Australia 24 years ago, and I met my wife here, and we've lived happily ever since. It's been wonderful. Um, I'm a chemical engineer. I studied chemical engineering in, in Canada and McGill uh, years ago. Uh, and I've worked my entire career for Hatch, 30 years now, uh, as you said, um, having a chance to work all over the world, every stage of mine development. Um, and it, I've become passionate about the mining industry. For all the things you see as you go around, you see some wonderful things, some awe-inspiring things, and frankly, some terrible things in different parts of the world. Uh, but you become passionate. It's a fantastic community. We do important work for society, for the world, and it just fills you with it, with a, with a desire to make it better, and to and to contribute more uh, to uh, to society at large. The to frame it a bit more about the topic we're on today, Rob. The um, I'm the MD for Hatch in uh, in Australia, Asia. Hatch is a large. Um, uh, engineering and technical services provider um, across a lot of industry, but we're the biggest in mining, I, I believe. Um, and the mining industry itself that we serve, it, what, what I see is the mining industry is in a period of really rapid change. There's an adaptation. There's whole new things happening that we need to respond to and think about how mining should serve society's needs at the highest level, Right creating financial, social, and environmental um, value. And to do that, we just can't keep doing things the way we always have done. We need new things, new ideas, new ways. And, you know, the the case for inclusion and diversity comes from that, I think. 
um, we have all these new challenges. We need fresh thinking, new ideas, and and getting diversity of thoughts into our industry is a big deal. It'll make us stronger and more more more, more sustainable. Uh, and it's a lever we haven't used enough in industry. So that's why I've become an advocate <laughs> out of my passion for the industry and making it better to also making sure that we get a good diversity of thought and, and, and basically more women in diversity in the industry. Before we go on to speak about obviously uh, diversity and inclusion, um, being a recruiter, you've been with Hatch for 30 years now. Um, that is a long time with one company and it's, it, and to tell the truth, rarely seen. How have you seen the company evolve and obviously yourself being um, with the company for 30 years and, and obviously you've moved into to various roles up the hierarchy. How have you seen the company change and how have you stayed with the company for, for, for so long? Because as I said, it's, it's, it's rarely seen. It is rarely seen, except in Hatch, actually. Um, there's a lot of people in the company that have also been here a long, long time. And I, I think I think a couple of the ingredients that make it work well is we're a very flat organization. Uh, we've got a very deep culture that I think is right for for having for creating positive change, for impacting the, the communities we serve, the industries we serve in a in an innovative way. You know, we, we like to do very difficult things. We like to um, tackle the industries, the world's toughest challenges. And what happens when you kind of run a flat organization that's focused on important things like that, you attract great people and they don't want to leave. So um, how has it changed? It's changed in the topics we're dealing with. Uh, every five, 10 years, the imperatives from industry change, but the culture is amazingly fairly consistent uh, since when I started in 1994. It's, uh, it's quite incredible. You mentioned, obviously, people stay for, for, long, uh, for long periods of time at Hatch. What, what, what do Hatch do differently to other companies? Um, because, obviously, I see people move around, and I would say, on average, people moving around every two, maybe three years. Mm. But, obviously, there's long, a lot of, like you mentioned, a lot of people at Hatch that are staying there for, for long periods of time. What, what are you... What is Hatch doing differently to maybe other companies yeah. to, to keep their staff? Yeah, good. Well, I, I think we have long, good term, good management. Well, a, a big factor is we're private. We're owned by ourselves. Uh, we don't respond to what investment communities want us to do. We do what we want to do. And we want to have uh, the partners in the company want to have a long-term sustainable business and keep everyone in it for the long term. You do that for a while, you find that you can deliver excellent results. You know, teams that have been together for a while and worked together for a while are so much more efficient. Um, so, it, you know, like anyone, we struggle. People in the first the seven-year itch is real, right? Uh, not everyone is, is cut out for the kind of company we are, but the people that stick with it really, it, 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 it resonates. They really enjoy technical challenges. They really like the lack of, of hierarchy, really, that we focus on on, on, on interesting technical and, and service challenges and, and deliver. It, it kind of works, Rob. It's fascinating. No, I've only ever worked for Hatch, so it's hard for me to compare to others, but, um, but it does work. Yeah. Um, obviously, talking about diversity inclusion, have we passed the peak of yeah. diversity inclusion? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I, I deliberately provocative comment that uh, past the peak. And what, what's behind that in my mind is, I, is I, I've been saying that, is that um, the, the conversation needs to progress. The because um, we're at a little bit of a tipping point where where the conversation could could go the wrong way and it, this could become politicized. So there's been a period of dealing with DNI that has been, you know, start starting with starting with women just saying this isn't fair, this isn't right. We you know that we we're, we like this kind of work, we want to do it, and there was there was a response of policy and procedure and basically the actionable actions to try and create. Uh, uh, better gender equity, um, uh, but uh, the there's a danger now that that if if we just keep pushing policy and rules and function and form, we're going it's going to be politicized and you know it'll become a woke topic. We've already seen in the states, um, you know, I think in Florida, uh, the governor has has now blocked any funding for diversity programs or equity and inclusion programs, uh, and in doing that, they're missing the point. It is becoming political and it's missing the business case for why these things are actually additive to improving the economy, improving uh, business. So um, we, we're at that tipping point where we got to now move on to what really this is about, which is culture, uh, which is the normalizing um, what is an inclusive culture and, and get it away from politics. The tipping point, uh, the, the peak is if it, if it goes into the political realm and uh, then it becomes left-right politics and it's a shouting match, right? That's not going to be useful or productive. Uh, businesses need to take a pragmatic view and figure out that there's a business case here and, and go towards what gives the best business case, which um, I'm a firm believer is having diverse teams. You mentioned culture. What would you say is an ideal culture for a business? Yeah. So it, start, it starts with inclusion, right? It may, people need to feel, it's psychosocial safety. People need to feel they belong, feel they have a voice. And the, the culture, the winning culture is the one that has room for all the voices to make the best decisions. The, there's, there's, mining suffers because it's a culture of, that's formed mostly by men. Uh, it's historically that way and it is that way. That's okay where we are, but it's where we go to next that matters. And um, it's interesting, you know, the more I've studied this and read books about this and learned, and there's, there's things that you learn in the schoolyard when you're a boy that are different from what a girl learns. Boys learn to be assertive, to be competitive, to uh, be aggressive, and they're rewarded for that. They win competitions, they, they're louder, they're stronger than the next person. Girls that behave like that will be ostracized. Girls end up, it normalizes in, in and I see this with my kids, uh, they normalize and they create friendships around different things, not about being the loudest or the strongest, but about you know sharing, uh, about caredness, about uh, showing vulnerability to an extent different traits. And these things continue on through adulthood and they end up being a part of the cultures in the workplace, right? So, and these are unconscious biases. I have them, you have them. We both grew up as, as men uh, in the schoolyard. And, um, and um, uh, it, it's amazing. When I talk to, to men about these things, they, about the unconscious biases that are in us, uh, they say, oh, I had no idea. 
no idea that I was doing that. Simple things, Rob, like talking over women, of of interrupting, of um, of um, uh, mansplaining is the term that's that's been so so feeling a need to explain things that are obvious or repeating or taking credit for what a woman's saying, but through a man's voice, are things that are just normalized and we learn them young. They're in our and our unconscious bias and. And it's a lot of the, the work in, in the culture is around now recognizing where that is and normalizing a new culture where there is space for, for, um, for, for women to participate equally. That, that's the culture I'm looking for, the inclusive culture. How can the mining industry address the uh, gender pay gap? Um, and is it, is, is it improving? Yeah. So that's a, that's a very topical one as well. Um, here in Australia, the government is about to publish for the first time the gender pay gap at, uh, of every major company in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the nation over a certain size, I think 100 employees or something like that. The UK does that already. Uh, other countries um, in Canada, I think, is thinking about doing it shortly. Um, and it's interesting. The, the, so it's going to become topical. It'll be in the news in the next few weeks here in Australia. The, the gender pay gap is a measurement of something far deeper. Um, it's, it's, you know, taking a step back, uh, mining, mining is still largely a club uh, run by men of a certain demographic. Uh, you can probably name it. And, and, and importantly, the people in the senior leadership roles, therefore, are using what's normal, their, their worldview, their unconscious biases are cooked into the decisions they make. Interestingly, you know, mining's missing out. At a time when we need new perspectives, new ideas, you know, we have to think about social license to operate, about new flow sheets, about new ways of operating a business. We're missing out on many different points of view. Now, the gender pay gap, is just a way of measuring the lack of women in senior roles, right? If a company has more men in the high paying positions than women, then there's gonna be a pay gap. Uh, it'll be zero when women are just as likely to be in a senior high paying role as a man is. It's as simple as that. And so I, I think it's actually a good measure that, uh, that people are using. Now, how do you address it? The, we, we find at Hatch, it's, it's, we've had, fairly good success, and I think most companies have, of, of being able to recruit graduates in fairly good proportions. Getting women into the industry is not as hard as, as, as it seemed a decade ago. We've kind of crossed some of that. It's keeping the women in the industry. And what, what I, when I talk to women in the industry in Hatch, many tell me, look, I'm exhausted. Male behavior is just hard. The, um, it's constantly an uphill battle. There is a natural um, lack of respect for women. Um, women's authority is undermined in subtle ways. That's what we, ha we have to address. When we can address those little things that hold women back from opportunity to take senior roles, then we're, if we're able to address that, then we can address the gender pay gap. So it isn't about paying women more at all. We, we, I think the industry should rightly be a meritocracy where people are paid for doing really, for contributing in a, in a big way. Uh, if we get rid of the unconscious biases that block women from being able to contribute, then we will get women into senior roles and then the pay gap diminishes. That's a long-winded answer of how I got there. Yeah. And do you, do you, have you seen an increase in 
females getting into senior and executive positions? Because obviously this topic's probably been around for, for, for quite a while. Have you yeah. seen an increase of women yeah. getting into those senior positions? I think so. So this is the first year we're going to see it uh, across the board. I've, I know Hatch's numbers. Hatch has gotten better uh, incrementally, not as fast as I would like, of course, but it has gotten better. Um, the industry probably, um, and, 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 and you know, kudos to BHP and, and Andrew McKenzie, actually, around a decade ago, um, BHP made the call, no, we're going to force this issue. Um, and I've seen it in, in, our, in, in the companies we work with and the clients, especially BHP and some of the other major miners. I'm now, as, as often I'm dealing with uh, counterparts that are women than men, which is, which is great. So those are kind of anecdotal uh, signs that, that it's different. Um, and that, that, that actually, that single move, in this case by BHP, changed the industry. Right, um, it hatches in the services, and and we have to reflect our clients. When our clients were mostly old white men, they wanted to deal with other old white men. Now that I've got clients that are a full spectrum of diversity, I need to have a full spectrum of diversity in my company to to respond. So it's kind of working. And uh, I, and anecdotally, and just by my visual data points, it's it's happening. Um, I'm really curious to see when when this gets quantified a bit more. How do you think the industry can improve um, women's participation in sort of engineering degrees and careers? Obviously, you mentioned, um, obviously, the females keeping them in the industry. How do you, I mean, I suppose this is not just necessarily uh, females, but overall, there's a lot, uh, there's not as many people entering our industry. But if we can obviously encourage uh, females to come into the industry. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think we need to improve? Yeah, look, the so there's the obvious things, right? Uh, STEM in high schools, um, scholarships. Um, uh, th those are the, the easy, actionable actions. Um, they're kind of policy and process driven and just throwing money at it, um, which, which is great. Nothing wrong with it. But it's it's I think it's the minority of the answer. The majority of the answer is the industry brand and the role models and the figureheads that speak for it. Um, you know, young young girls, young women look for someone they want to be like. Uh, that looks like the kind of thing I would do. I feel like I would belong there. Um, our industry does not look like a place that's attractive for women. Uh, young girls choosing where they're going to they're going to want to work with people that feel like they belong there. So um, it is really, really important that um, that the 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 terrific senior women in the industry are visible, and um, you know it's a it's a burden on them. It's actually additional um, work that that the industry needs that group of people to do, the small group. But they're fantastic role models, and uh, I wish my daughters could have more exposure to senior women in mining. <laughs> Maybe they'd join the mining industry. The um, the, uh, so that that's a big deal. And, and another another really important one is that it is about the men, right? Men need to own this issue. This is not an issue for women to sort out amongst women. This is really about men creating space and being inclusive and and normalizing what inclusive behavior is. Um, they're, they're, those are the, probably the biggest things: role models and inclusive behavior uh, driven by the men and the organizations. What does Hatch? Uh, offer to obviously help kickstart and nurture new engineers uh, into the yeah. mining industry. 
Yeah, so the things we talked about just now, of course, we do that. Uh, scholarships, um, you know, high school outreach, junior high reach, uh, outreach. Um, even amongst Hatch families, we encourage uh, every year we'll do a bring your kids to work day of some sort uh, to let the kids understand what it is it's like to do this kind of a kind of a job. Um, so scholarships, uh, of course, we do um, uh, providing a mentorship to people in in university. Uh, so that's that's what you would expect, and we do that, and we we're proud of it, and we enjoy it. The once we get the women in the door, um, then then we have a whole program we're proud of called uh, the, our professional development program, which is a three years um, journey uh, for everyone that joins. But it's tailored to be to be aware of unconscious biases and aware of how um, men and women um, network differently, grow differently, and need role models. So we. We, we've been very successful with this. We've ended up being, an, for six years in a row, a top graduate employer because the feedback we get from men and women is that this is fantastic. This, this, is, creating, this is creating opportunity and a place where I feel like I can belong, which for me, that's when I hear that kind of thing. I feel like I belong here. Then I know I've caught it and we're on to the right, uh, right topics. You mentioned, obviously, uh, men are probably the driving force behind this. What can what can sort of male leaders do to encourage more you know, inclusivity in the in the workplace? Yeah, that that's we need to talk about men. So I've kind of talked about it a bit already, but let's come back on that one. The men are to of of the of the big ones left to deal with. Men are the bigger challenge. Uh, I think um, we we dominate the workplace and. Um, we are unaware of our own unconscious biases and the ways in which we undermine women's authority. Even even the most progressive men that, you know, on this will tell me, I talk to people all the time about this, they'll tell me, I'm not biased. I think it's wonderful that women get great careers. I know that, but yet those little things, interrupting, mansplaining, um, um, diminutizing, um, preferencing men over women happens. So um, it's it's men that need to create space and inclusiveness for for women to to succeed in the majority, right? The um, what 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 do men? How can men do that? They have to be. I, I really understand it now. Uh, men, male champions for change is a big deal. Men need to be out talking to other men of what what is acceptable and what is normal. Uh, unless men do that, we won't we won't be able to normalize a new culture. It, it won't, will not work for women trying to explain to men why they need to be inclusive. It's just it's the way our brains are wired and, and that male behavior. So the biggest thing men can do is is be a male champion for change. Uh, be aware of our own unconscious biases and then and then uh, talk about that out loud and make let other men know that that's normal, that's acceptable, that's the way we do things. We create space. For people and then it catches on quickly we we've been on this journey for on the culture part for a few years now at hatch um, once we had done the necessary initial groundwork and you see the difference you start accelerating in this space and what would you and i suppose on the flip side what would you say to female females within our industry that are looking to get into higher positions and maybe to break through into the those executive uh, positions what would you say to them and how how would they try and maneuver themselves into being a to being um, I suppose in a position to 
to move up uh, a hierarchy within a mining company. Yeah. 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 So um, the first of all, there's a fantastic book on that topic called The Authority Gap. I'll just break that book for a moment. I have nothing to do with it. I read it and I found it inspiring by Marianne Sieghardt. Um, but uh, so the, that book is exactly on that topic. And as I read through it, I could see so much in there that, uh, that made a lot of sense for me. There, there, there are things women need to do. Um, women need to be more confident, right? Uh, there, there's, a, there's a confidence gap or a confidence trick. Men tend to be confident um, or people, sorry, not even men, people need to judge, mistake confidence for competence, right? And uh, women are equally, sometimes more competent than men, but they won't have the confidence. So, you know, the initial steps forward are to have, be confident in, in yourself and and stand up for what you believe in. It, 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 does, it does work. Now, when, admittedly, women need to do that in a different way. Women that come out abrasive and loud to your average man who is unaware of his unconscious biases will react badly to that. A man doing the same thing, they'll be okay, but a woman doing that will not be accepted, will be ostracized. So women do have to approach it in a different way, uh, a more caring and understanding approach, but still that confidence has to be there. So, but I'm, I'm no expert on this for the women listening. I really recommend that. That book. There's others as well, I'm sure, but I found that one particularly insightful. It taught me a lot. Uh, but um, but I would say it starts with with confidence and um, and, and assertiveness um, in, in 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 a woman way rather than a man way. And do you think inclusive companies uh, that close the gender gap uh, will outperform those that that don't? That's, I, I, I really think so. I really think the kind of challenges mining industry faces, um, be it operators or technology companies or service companies, uh, we need better ideas, right? The, the companies that will win are the ones that, that can deal with change the best, that are the most resilient, that have the best ideas, the best innovation, and, and the ones that can adapt. And those are the ones that are inclusive, that, that take the, that take, they're able to, 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 to hone in on the best ideas through the council of many. So in the long run, those companies have to win. And, uh, and you'll, we'll see it, I'm, I'm positive. I'm, I actually, I see it today. Companies that are if not dealing with this are not as competitive, are not able to, to keep up um, in, in this fast paced world. Um, the, I, I see it all the time, they're, they're falling down and eventually they're realizing, okay, either I'm gonna sell out or I'm gonna have to deal with this so um i think it's a big deal yeah um there's the women in mining uh, organizations and there's various uh, various um, bodies around around the world um what are your thoughts on them as an organization mm -hmm. i've had a few of their representatives uh, on the podcast um it, they seem to be growing as as an organization around the world um yeah. just wonder what your thoughts are on them what else well, could they absolutely. be doing very, very very important, right? Um, to a woman thinking about joining the mining industry, in the mining industry, it sits in a daunting place. It's full of men. So to have a place where you can find mentorship, people that understand what you're going through, people understanding the dilemma you're facing and can give you advice and role model and help is a big, it's an important support network. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I only wish that they would do themselves out of business. <laughs> 
in the sense that there's enough inclusiveness and enough um, uh, 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 gender balance in the industry that that kind of external support isn't necessary. Um, but that's that's still a way to go. So I, I think it's fantastic what those kind of groups do, and we're big supporters of, of many of them. Yeah, great. Um, and lastly, what do you think uh, are two trends that you're you're seeing the mining industry uh, during 2024? Yeah, good one. Um, maybe if I can just break that question apart for you, Rob, I'll just do it two ways. Yeah. Um, there's what I hope we will see, and there's what I think we will see. A little bit different. <laughs> so what I hope, maybe first, uh, I really hope, so I'm moving a bit beyond, um, if we get all these benefits of, 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 of diversity and inclusion, uh, I hope that the circular economy becomes real, right? We talk about it, but it's not real yet. It's not been internalized. We don't understand what circular really means for the mining industry and for the supply industry. Um, so, uh, so both industry and government policy will hopefully start to understand what that means. And the second thing I hope we see more of in 2024 is companies trying new things. Uh, no more keeping on doing what we've always done, but let's just give things a shot. Um, it's time to start innovating again and, you know, fail fast, fantastic, be agile, fantastic, but let's try things. I think the mining industry for a whole bunch of very good reasons has been very con conservative for a long time. And now we need to increase the pace of change and innovation. And that happens by trying things. That's what I hope happens. What I think maybe a bit more down to earth. Um, I, I've been quite um, amazed in just in the last year as I visit conferences and go to the odd trade show or convention, the, there's a lot of AI and digital showing up in the industry. And what I hope, or what I think will happen this year is we'll finally start to move beyond the fad part of digital and AI into real crunchy value-added uh, use of AI in a, in a big way, and that gets, starts to get adopted. Uh, this this industry moves very quickly, and I think we'll quickly move from the from the the vaporware part of it to the to the real uh, applications that that create value in the hands of companies. So that's exciting, and I think it's quite possible this year. The other one that I I, I think will happen is that the 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 energy transition will start to deal with real options. So, you know, for a while we had this idea that we'll just build solar farms and wind farms and we'll sort it out. And, you know, as we all start to do the math and think about the real math behind hydrogen and green steel and all these things we want to do, the energy balance doesn't work very well. Uh, you know, they, there's mismatches everywhere. And uh, I, I think that this year we'll start to finally look at real options, what real, the real serious power electricity we need to, to transform. Um, is going to be things like nuclear. It's going to be dealing with really serious transmission issues. Uh, hydropower on a massive scale, hydro storage. Um, you know, things will probably rationalize around where hydrogen really does make sense. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a silver bullet that solves every issue. It solves a subset of issues where, where hydrogen is a chemical or hydrogen is the only option. So re real options and real, you know, uh, thought through solutions will start to come through in energy that we have not seen at that scale to date. And, and that's exciting. Both those digital and energy transition will be exciting this year, I think. 
Jan, thank you for your time. Really appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast and obviously speaking about a, a an important subject. And I know a lot of our listeners um, will 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 listen to this and obviously share share this episode uh, amongst people within our industry. And I suppose it's not just our industry; it's other industries as well. Um, so really appreciate your time and in talking about inclusivity and diversity because uh, it obviously is an important subject. And it needs to be needs to be improved, as as obviously as you as you highlighted. Um, if our audience wants to sort of see more of your work, um, how can they go about doing that? Um, obviously, you'll probably go to conferences and speak about this subject. So, just wondering how they can follow follow some of yeah, your good um, good, good questions. So, I'm I'm fairly uh, frequent on um, on LinkedIn and social media. Um, if you Google. Uh, hatch you're going to find uh, a lot of um, of material there of what we're thinking about here you're you're right um conferences I, I i try and take every opportunity when i'm at a conference to make some comments about dni uh this this is this is male champions for change right uh, that's got to be done so or just reach out to me if people if they're interested and want to talk more just reach out on linkedin and we'll find a way to way to connect happy to do that and Rob, thank you very much for having me. I really enjoy a chance to talk about this topic and, and share share points of view. Yeah, and I'd like to appreciate your time. And and again, people that are going to be listening to this can maybe, and especially the males listening to this, maybe they can just think slightly differently and um, and maybe then act upon it um, just to obviously um, help with bringing women into our organize into our industry. And trying to make them excel into to more senior positions. So, yeah, thank you, thank you for your time. Right on, cheers. No worries. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, really appreciate appreciate your continued support. Um, it's an important topic. Please share this episode, obviously, to people within our industry, but people outside of our industry, um, because if we want to improve the the image and branding of mining, um, we need to share these episodes. And this kind of episode is can be um, listened to anyone in any industry um, because it's obviously uh, an important subject that just doesn't just apply to the mining industry, but does apply to other industries. So please keep sharing these episodes uh, far and wide. And until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.